Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. We welcome a wide and exceptionally impressive array of guests, business leaders, HR leaders, academics, practitioners, consultants, and authors to talk about the most timely, relevant, and challenging issues that are influencing the workplace today. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Hi, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with Allison Stevens from Paychex and Jean Meister from Executive Networks about new research just released about the impact of unpredictable employee schedules on absenteeism, turnover, productivity, and morale. First, I want to take a moment and let you know a little bit more about Allison and Jean. Allison Stevens is the Director of HR Services at Paychex, a leading provider of integrated human capital management software solutions and services for payroll, HR, benefits, and insurance solutions for America's businesses. Allison leads a team of over 600 HR professionals who are responsible for providing HR outsourcing services to Paychex HR clients across the U.S. Her career in human resources and leadership spans 25 years in the professional services and HCM outsourcing industries. Jean, who is the founder of Future Workplace and Executive Vice President of Executive Networks, the leading HR peer network company for the Global 1000, is also a longtime friend of the show and frequent guest that you might have uh, heard before on the show. Jean is also the best-selling author of three books that have received the Silver Best Business Book Award for Human Resource Professionals and the Bellwether Award by the Community College Futures Assembly. She is leading a multi-client research program for executive networks on the future role of the CHRO, the future of working and learning, and employee well-being. So welcome to the show, Allison and Jean. Thank you. Nice Thank to be you. Here. Great to be here. Great Thank to you here. both. Yes, you too. Well, before we get started into the stories, why don't we just take a minute for the listeners. Allison, if you could just say hello and a little, little blurb about yourself so people can get familiar with your voice. Absolutely. Great to see you both. Thank you so much for having me. And Jean and I were talking this week about how it's because of Steve that she and I both met. <laughs> All um, right. So I think I like it that. was early on in the pandemic. We were both uh, on an HR executive live stream together and developed a fast friendship from there. So that was fun. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So we owe it. We owe it to you uh, for <laughs> the partnership and relationship that we've built. Really, really uh, grateful. So I love that. I love that. And Jean, I know if anyone's a fan of the show, they've heard you before, but if you could say hello to so that they have your voice fresh in their minds. Thank you uh, uh, for, for inviting me once again. I love being on your show and I'm excited with the new format and the new name at work in America. Um, as I continue to do research with executive networks and of course with, with paychecks, um, the, you know, we want to bring our research and, and stories to life on the show. So thank you for having me. 
Good. Well, that's definitely what we plan to do here today. I know you both have uh, plenty of data to share as well as some stories so that people can really feel that connection to the data. So why don't we just start off with uh, setting the stage, Allison, with the story. Um, I know you've brought a really special one from Paychex. So why don't you take it away and we'll go from there. Sure. So here at Paychex, we have a client um, they were, they're located in the Bay Area, um, a large retailer in, in the area, and they had an employee, she's a single mother, who was initially working 30 hours a week when she first started at this retail store. Um, over a couple of months of time since she started with uh, the company, her hours started to grow erratic. So, you know, a couple of weeks, she was working 20 hours instead of 30, then 12, then only eight. And then I think the tipping point for the client was when she was called into work on a Saturday and needed to pivot quickly to get daycare for her eight-year-old son and also report into work. And it was not expected and not scheduled. So this employee came to our client, uh, to the employer, employer, you know, really concerned and expressing some dissatisfaction with the scheduling irregularities and shared with the client that, you know, she may not be able to remain working there and was going to start looking for a job elsewhere. And that was really the jumping off point where the employee called their HR professional and said, I really need some help in addressing this particular issue because this employee is such a great performer. And what do I need to do to not only turn this situation around, but prevent it from happening, you know, any other time. Yeah. I love that story, Allison. And um, it, it just, highlights why this is such a pressing issue for many uh, people and for many, then by extension, for many employers. Plus, I, I don't know exactly where this uh, employer is, but they could even be running up against uh, some local regulations around scheduling. I know San Francisco, I think, was one of the places anyway that uh, enacted fairly recently some much more stringent requirements of employers to have a little bit more schedule um, transparency and predictability. Exactly, Steve. So it's called fair scheduling legislation that's been enacted. It's been enacted in the state of Oregon, um, cities such as San Francisco, New York, Seattle. And so many of these laws are mandating that employers pay workers for last minute scheduling changes mm -hmm. known as predictability pay, um, also including, you know, for on-call shifts. So there's a lot behind that. And, you know, looking forward to not only talking about the details of sort of how this story unfolded and the impact that we had on the employer, but also, you know, how we can talk about the research that you know, team did in partnership with us and some of our findings and how it directly relates to, to the story. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Can you maybe talk a little bit, you mentioned the research and of course we have Jean on because she's partnered with you all on that. Could you maybe introduce the, the impetus for the research specifically? And, and then we can bring Jean into the conversation to really talk through some of those details around this, not just this client, but many of your clients who are having similar sort of things they're up against with, you know, scheduling and unpredictability, that sort of thing. Sure. So, you know, if you take a step back and, you know, think about all of the things that employers and employees have experienced over now the past several years, we're really, we really started to hear from our customer base that employee scheduling has just become a lot more complex. We're in the workplace of the future. so. Companies have had to flex their approach, even in that definition of what does it mean when you talk about business hours, right? Introducing new strategies that they really may not have previously considered, things like flexible hours, job sharing, just offering part-time work, that kind of list goes on and on. 
And so, you know, in talking with my team, we've definitely seen a rise, um, particularly in certain industry verticals that have been feeling the impact of unpredictable, unpredictable scheduling. So verticals like retail, hospitality, agricultural food services, cleaning, construction, um, you know, those are probably the main industries we've seen where that impact has led to income fluctuations, difficulty in employees being able to just schedule personal appointments or second jobs, and challenging for those employees who are also parents or caring for an elderly, you know, elderly parent or a child having to arrange for care without notice. Um, and that causes ultimately a lot of stress. And, you know, in working and partnering with Jean, um, she was able through her research to really validate a lot of our findings um, through, through her research and conversations with America's businesses. Allison, thank you for that. That's, I think that dovetails us nicely into Jean. I'll welcome you into the conversation here to tell us a little bit about then, because you, you've done a lot of great, great research over the years. So I'm sure you were really enthusiastic about this particular topic, but maybe take us into uh, some of the research and, and maybe let's call out a couple of the things that were kind of important uh, from the findings and, and what those uh, implications would be for folks who, who are listening to this show. Absolutely. Well, well first I want to say that we landed on this topic because of Allison and her team of 600, right? We had a virtual focus group, a very large virtual focus group to understand what were the issues that these HR coaches, HR BPs were facing day in and day out on the ground with Paychex customers. Mm -hmm. And, And this was one that really unanimously came to the top. So from that, we uh, devised uh, a survey and uh, surveyed, uh, I think it was uh, 603 workers. So we are focused entirely on the workers, right? What are the issues of the workers? Of the sample, with this piece of research, we did things a little differently. We included part-timers. Actually, 48% of our research sample were part-timers, and they make up about 20% of the workforce, and 63% of them are women. So with the example that Allison shared of a single mom, she's very representative, right? Signing on to a new job in a retail organization, thinking she's going to be working 30 hours a week and sort of organizing her life and her daycare around 30 hours a week. And then you heard from the story, it doesn't take long before she's working eight hours on a Saturday, right? And so we um, we polled this group of 603 and um, three out of 10 said they were either slightly or extremely um, impacted with unpredictable work schedules. And, and so what was this impacting? Well, first of all, they're their mental health, right? Their increased stress and burnout, trying to juggle lots of balls. Importantly, the second with the example was financial well-being. You know, they're not able to really meet their bills if if their hours go from 30 hours to eight hours a week. And then for the youngest workers, the future workforce, um, the big issues there were they just didn't have enough time to 
to participate in training and development. I mean, this is, they're early in their career and they're trying to map out their career journey. And with all this instability, um, they weren't, they're not able to do that. And it's very difficult. So, you know, those were, you know, and then I think with that, we also segmented the, the research by how an individual worked. Was it hybrid? Was it remote or was it in person? And interestingly, and I'm finding this from other research as well, um, hybrid workers are feeling the most stressed here. And it, it makes sense, right? They're juggling between working at home, working at a client location, working at the, in the office uh, company location, and they're finding that they're really strapped for time and, and it's incre an increased stress on them. You know, I, I'm so glad you broke down kind of all of the different um, ways that you were able to sort of slice the data because it, it's really, as I was sort of reading this before we started recording, I was thinking it's a really unique approach right now um, that you're making because we wouldn't have had maybe all of this focus on the different places people work, right? Or the fact that you're bringing in part-timers and, and quite frankly, workers actually asking workers what they think, right? In the past, we traditionally ask HR or the business leaders what their employees think. So for, first of all, just a kudos to you and, and the team for creating a study that actually looks at, at this from the worker's perspective. Um, I, I know there's so much data to dig into. The one thing I would say is what would be some of the the most surprising findings? Was there anything, whether that was based on where, whether they're doing like hybrid work or in the office work or whether maybe it's a certain industry or maybe it's female versus male or part-time versus full-time, what would you say are some of the most maybe surprising uh, impacts or findings from your research in this particular case? I think the disconnect in the office. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the impact on well-being, financial and, and mental health is pretty obvious, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but on a social note and a personal note, I think workers were just feeling disconnected by having these vast changes and with the unpredictable work schedules that they couldn't really feel part of the team. And that has major implications on employee engagement and the overall employee experience that the organization is delivering. So when you're, you know, when your schedule changes so drastically, you just don't feel connected to your team and to your employer. Yeah. Allison, are you finding that when you talk to your clients, they're sort of echoing that, whether they're HR leaders or business leaders themselves, like, I would think it's a little bit of a disconnect for them because they're probably thinking, well, I'm trying to schedule the best I can because I don't have enough people, right? right. So they're seeing it maybe from a different perspective. Like, what are you hearing from your clients um, with regard to this? Yeah, we're, we're hearing some of the same themes that Jean described. And I would agree, you know, I think, I think we're going to have to zoom in a bit more on, you know, what is the impact of a hybrid workforce and the fact that employees, that employee experience is leading to that feeling of disconnect and what are going to be some of the, you know, additional short-term and long-term implications of that impact. So does that ultimately roll up to, you know, how the company performs, whether, you know, how 
how an employer is or isn't successful with respect to retention of those employees. And then also being sure that employees really feel the sense of purpose, right? So if they're feeling that disconnect, what can employers do? Um, and I think we're finding our hearing from our clients right now, like that desire for more support on things that kind of enter into more of that culture realm, right? How can I create and or improve my culture so that my employees are excited to come to work? And I think it, it, I think it is starting to all wrap together um, and the conversations need to continue. Yeah, Allison, you kind of hit on something that I want to I want to just talk about just for a minute. And this is going back to sort of pre-pandemic and certainly influenced largely by advances in technology, right? But I feel like for for a decade plus, right, the the conversations that I maybe was a part of or at least heard about around employee scheduling were very one way, right? They were very right. employer yeah. focused. And they were 89%. I made that up, that number. That's not research. <laughs> research 80, of one. But they were 80, N equals one, right? It's just a small N equals one. Um, 89% focused on uh, how do I minimize labor costs or optimize labor costs, right? That was largely what employers cared about. And I get that. Like we, we, we have a business too, right? We have to care about costs. But um, it was not at all subtle. It was not at all kind of nuanced. And, it, and so when you're talking about things like culture and burnout and, and connectedness, right, to your, your team members, uh, your other team members and your colleagues and your managers, and that's much, it, it, it's just a much more nuanced subtle and complex conversation. Now, technology can certainly still help you and help the organization still do a much, much better job, but we've got to make sure that uh, we're sending that message to employers as well. Like, hey, if this is all you're doing, right, if you're trying to optimize schedules to minimize labor costs, and that's the goal, right, well, you're kind of, you, you run the impact of some of these really adverse outcomes that we're describing here that the research shows. Couldn't agree more. You have to you have to reach all the way down to the employee in that you know one to one conversation, right? In this case, if the you know if the employee hadn't approached her manager, right, to really express her concerns, what if she just didn't say anything and left, right? <laughs> what you know where would we where would we be as it relates to you know the impact that this particular company was able to have on both the employee and just overall? So yeah, I I, I think this is a conversation we're going to continue to have. And I think you're right. I think that people are, are probably a lot of people have left without having that conversation with their leader. Um, Jean, I mean, as you're doing this research and kind of, you know, collecting the comments and everything from everyone, are you hearing that there are people seem to be more willing to stay and have those conversations? Or are you getting a sense that they really are? Maybe, maybe they're leaving without dealing with it. Are they thinking they're going to find it better somewhere else? Do you get a sense of that at all? I, well, I think that employers are starting to do things like pulse surveys to uncover what's happening with the scheduling and what's the impact on individuals. I think, sadly, um, what we're seeing with the great resignation is unpredictable work schedules is clearly one of the reasons why people are switching or moving in the workforce, right? I mean, it's not just to, you know, compensation, it's I think I, I want to um, have better control over my life. I think since the pandemic, workers are starting to ask themselves, what is it worth it, right? You know, what, what am I willing to give to my employer and how can I, 
you know, retain um, a, a work-life integration that is a better fit for me and my family. So they're, you know, and if they can't answer that favorably, they're leaving. And, uh, and, and this study points out that, that unpredictable work schedules are, are a significant cause of workers leaving their jobs in search of greater certainty in their day-to-day work lives. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned control. I wanted to ask a little bit on that, Jean, because I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but you're right. In such a period of time where we all are very out of control on major aspects of our work and personal lives that we've never experienced to this level, um, I can understand that an employee would feel like that might be how I can control my situation a little bit more. What would you recommend for for those people sort of feeling that lack of control? Is there something that you think they can do in their current employer? Because I'm, I'm also starting to read some things where people who have moved on are finding the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence because they're also going through the pandemic and all of the effects of great resignation, right? What, are, what would you say to someone who's maybe having some of these unpredictable schedules? Is there anything that could be done to help them? Well, I definitely think they have to find their voice and they have to go to their direct manager and, and share their issues, right? Um, and, if, and if that doesn't happen, they will leave. And, and, and they, you know, and, and employers will be faced with recruiting and training someone else. Um, I think employers are starting to look at ways to, you know, under, examine what's the root cause of their company's turnover. And once they start to do that, I believe that unpredictable work schedules for those industries where it's very, it's a very big concern, as Allison said in her population with retail, with grocery stores, with hospitality, um, those employers have to get to the root cause and use data to look at Mm -hmm. what's happening. And are they doing the pulse surveys? And they could be doing a survey like we did, right? Segmenting by generation, (laughs) segmenting by work environment, whether you're hybrid, remote, or in-person, and and taking a pulse of what their workers are experiencing day to day. That's a good uh, segue, which I'd like to make in in a second here, back to Allison, to actually talk through some of the ways that you and the team, right, the HR coaches that work with the clients are actually coaching uh, clients and client organizations through some of these challenges. So there's some very specific steps that you recommend, and I'd like to go through some of those because I think even if uh, even if you're crazy and not a, a Paychex client, but you're listening to this show, you could still benefit from some of uh, the advice and counsel that that the Paychex HR coaches give to give to the clients. Which we should probably should just call out where to find this research and. Uh, of course, this episode of At Work in America is sponsored by our friends at Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. As we've been discussing here on the show today, nearly one-third of U.S. employees say their work schedule still remains unpredictable as a result of the pandemic, a factor they report as having a significant effect on their overall well-being, from causing financial stress to feeling disconnected from family friends, and this appears to be affecting younger generations the most. 
you can learn more about all of these findings and what we've been talking about today and how you can learn to optimize your work schedules to help better support your employees. All of that information is at payx.me slash schedules. That's payx.me slash schedules. This link will be in the show notes, of course, where you can download all the research that we've been discussing uh, today with Gene and with Allison. Okay, so we have talked about some of the research, talked a little bit about how it directly impacts individual people down to, you know, a woman working at a retail store who's now suddenly thrust into finding daycare and showing up to a job, not knowing how much she's going to make in a given week. And that's a really rough way to live. And I think those of us who've been kind of accustomed to being salaried people for a long time, forget about that, to be totally honest with you. But Allison, I'd love to maybe have you share uh, from what you guys have learned from talking with your clients about these issues, from some of the research findings as well, what are the things that you and the coaches there um, work with your clients and help them walk through trying to get a little bit more schedule predictability, a little more certainty, and try to try to support employees who are going through you know a difficult time? So I'll take you through what essentially were the five steps that we provided to this particular client, but I think applies to many businesses that are facing some of the issues we've talked about today. First was creating policies, right? So if the client is a covered employer, we talked about predictability pay earlier. And if that, you know, if the employer falls under a jurisdiction or a location in which that applies, they're going to need to create policies to adhere to that new regulation, as well as creating templates or forms to make sure that advanced scheduling and schedule changes, like they have that process. And that kind of leads me into step two. So make sure that the client audits those processes. So at the one hand, they're communicating, here's the process, here's how it works so that both employees and managers know what to do with respect to what are the ramifications of making schedule changes and how do you go about making a schedule change, right? And then once established, making sure that the, you know, the employer routinely audits their processes for their, if they have multiple locations or even one location, just making sure that they're checking and inspecting that things are working the way they intended. Then of course, training, right? One of the things we talked earlier about is, you know, what can employees do? They need to speak up. They need to find their voice. And for me, I think one of the questions they can ask if they're looking for employment is asking, what is the training process? What is, how does it work with respect to my schedule? What do I need to know? And how am I going to learn about navigating the schedule process at this particular company, right? So managers who are scheduling employees, make sure they are providing detailed training on how things work. Make sure managers and leaders understand predictive scheduling laws if they apply and make sure that they understand, managers and leaders understand you know, how to make changes and employees know how to make changes so that not only are they compliant, but really to me, most importantly, is making sure that that employee experience is sound and that the employees truly understand what is the process, what can they expect, and how do they go about making changes or asking for changes or in fact, receiving changes making sure employers review those related regulations, right? So those predictive scheduling laws like don't exist in a a vacuum. So implementing a new procedure that complies with something like predictive scheduling may overlap with other existing processes like hiring or even employee discipline. So that's another factor to consider to make sure that employers are taking into consideration kind of that holistic view on all of the regulations they may have to follow, particularly if they fall into Um, having to comply with that predictive scheduling requirement. And then last but not not least, let's go back to the conversation around technology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure that employees have access to the ability to understand how to schedule, 
um, time and how managers can intuitively create and manage schedules that best fit the desired schedules of their employees, right? Leaning into what are their preferences, what are their needs, things like shift swaps, yeah. right? Making sure that employees can schedule changes easily by, you know, going into a system. And of course, you know, you're familiar with paychecks and our flex HR capabilities. Our clients and their employees are able to go in and perform things like shift swaps whenever things arise. And we've talked about that, like things are going to come up, particularly now. I think people's schedules just have become increasingly variable. Time off management, right? Making sure that an employer knows when their employees have scheduled time off and being able to record that in a time off tracking system is going to make it inherently easier for them to be able to manage their workforce and know, you know, when are their employees in and when they, when are they out? And then lastly, you know, over time, making sure that they can automatically identify using technologies. The best way to do it is making mm-hmm. sure that they're recognizing appropriately paying for overtime, but also incorporating that into their overall workforce. Yeah. And, and you can't, and you can't screw this stuff up, honestly, because if you do, well, there's, we know what happens when you do, when you screw this. And someone just told me the other day, I'm going to call out the person specifically, but someone I, I'm, I'm acquainted with who was working in um, like a retail kind of part-time situation. And they were told by their employer that they were not eligible for overtime because they didn't work over something like 80 hours in like a bi-weekly payroll. And I, I'm no labor law person exactly, but I'm like, that felt really wrong to me. Like, I don't think that's allowed. I think like, you can't just decide what the schedule, what the overtime laws are. Like they're, they're, they're actually kind of codified right in most places. And so I did encourage this person to push back. Uh, hopefully that they, they, they did because they were essentially getting stolen from, uh, from their employer yeah. kind of sucks. And yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's a good example of, I think, again, like talking about some of these unintended consequences of gene and executive networks research that I think, again, like our employers just faced with the employee experience needs to improve, but employers just the same, I think, uh, you know, at times have their backs up against the wall. If they've got no employees reporting to work, they're getting desperate. They're not sure of the rules. They're not sure of the regulations and really you know, need to take the time to be sure they understand them or communicating properly and accurately with their employees on what to expect um, and wage an hour is a biggie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, th- That's great stuff, Allison. I really appreciate you taking, taking us and the listeners through those steps and those yeah. key considerations. And certainly uh, you can find more of this stuff over and we'll give links to all the Paychex resources from the research as well as and all the other great resources that Paychex makes available to the community. It's been... We started talking about this a couple of years back when COVID started, really, really focusing on it hard. And it, and it hasn't stopped at all for uh, uh, just the, the wealth of uh, resources, information and support, right, from from you and the, and the team. I can't believe that team is 600 people, by the way. That's crazy. That's <laughs> They're a huge yeah. organization. <laughs> We're growing. We're growing. Yeah. And of course, you know, goes without saying that, you know, our partnership with Jean is invaluable. So grateful for our partnership, our relationship and all the work she does um, with the team has been a immensely fun um, and so interesting. We've learned so much from Jean. It's been fantastic. So want to take a quick moment to say that. Thank you so much. And as I said, you know, we we landed on this topic because it came from your team members on the ground who said they flagged it. This yeah. is an issue, and yeah. we just uh, took you know took action. Yeah. And I'm uh, kudos to to paychecks because not enough research is focused on hourly 
workers and part-time workers. They you, are absolutely right. I'm like nodding and waving, like, cause I'm in yes, such agreement yes. with you on this and, and, and I'll put myself in that category too. We have not spent enough time on it on this show. And I, I feel badly about that. And I want that to change before the show started. I was reading through the notes and looking through some of the highlights of the research. I tried to get like a hard number from our friends at the BLS who, and their website, God bless them. It's a lot there, but it's a little hard to work through. I was trying to get a number on just what percentage of the U.S. workforce right now is hourly versus salaried, right? It's pretty simple data point. I could not find it. I could only find it from about five years ago when the hmm. estimate was about 60% of the workforce at that time was hourly, 40% salary. I have no reason to believe that's significantly moved or, or, yeah. or been altered in the last five or six years, uh, but it's probably around that number. So more than half at least, right, or, yeah. of the workforce. And we don't spend enough time thinking about them and talking about it. It is, it is a call out to each of us on this show, yeah. right? And we really need to spend more time working on, on research and on the list of recommendations that Allison pointed out for employers, because that's, you know, these are the essential frontline workers. And the pandemic put a spotlight on these essential workers. And we have to sort of take the lead and say the spotlight will continue. Yeah, that's great. And so that's great. That's a great kind of summation, I think, Gene, of, of kind of why we wanted to do this show, why this research was important. I think why why the teams at Paychex surfaced it as an issue from hearing back from the client community and and, and then what Gene, you and your team were able to put this together and, and share with us today some of the key findings and, and share with everybody, right? So we'll the, we will put the links to all the Paychex resources in the show notes, right? There's quite a few of them. There's the news release. There's the report itself. There's actually a really good blog post that kind of hits the high points. I read it this morning uh, before the show. So we'll, we'll link out to all that stuff and just uh, and then wrap with saying thank you uh, to Allison and to Gene for, uh, for doing this, for surfacing this conversation and allowing us to have it here with you today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Good stuff. Trish loved it. This was great. I don't know if it tops your show you did with the uh, Missouri's oldest employer, but we're close. Hopefully we're very close. No, you know what? Go back and listen to that show, by the way, they should, (laughs) if they haven't yet go back and listen to that show. Go back and listen. No, I, I think what makes this one also really different is because we're looking at it from the employee's perspective, which is so different. I think that's why what Gene is doing, um, and Gene, you've been focused on this for so many years, right? The the whole future uh, workplace and and you're bringing us in, interesting information that we're not getting from anyone else. So I think that's really important that you take the look at it from the employee's perspective and you're, you're giving them a voice. Maybe some of them who don't have much of a voice, right? Or don't feel like it. And Allison, I want to say too, as you were sharing all of those kind of things that the employers can be doing, in my head, I was thinking, you know what else? If you're only working your people who are supposed to be there 30 hours a week and you're only giving them eight hours a week, they're using the rest of their time to go out and learn this stuff, right? Exactly. exactly. So your employees are becoming more and more educated through this pandemic on what are the laws? What are the regulations? How should they be paid? What are your competitors going to pay them? So uh, just keep that in mind. I would say if you're not working your employees, there's, there's other things they are doing with that time. So anyway, right. I'm, right. I'm excited to hear more about what Paychex is doing um, in partnership with your clients. And then Gene, obviously just your continued research on giving employees a voice and not just employers. So thank you for that. Good stuff. All right.
Uh, that's it. I think we'll wrap it here. Thanks to, of course, to our friends at Paychex. Thanks to Gene Meister, Allison Stevens, Trish, thank you. Great stuff. Uh, all the show archives, everything, hrhappyhour.net for all the, the, the media uh, operation here. Trish is expanding remarkably every day. So it's quite something. Every day. Go to, to hrhappyhour.net for all that. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now.